Hey there, my name is Bethany Bravery, and I'm the host of the Bringing Her Hope podcast. But even more than that, I want you to know that you are welcome into this conversation, that there is a seat for you at this table. And I honestly, I can't wait for you to meet each and every one of these amazing women who I know will inspire you to also live out the story that God is calling you to and to give you hope that He will be faithful to redeem your story as well. We will laugh together for sure and most definitely cry, but you know what? I get so excited about the thought that together we can grow deeper in love with Jesus, that we can jump with both feet into the adventure He has for us. So get ready. It's going to be a crazy, amazing ride. My guest this week on the Bringing Her Hope podcast is speaker and author Andy Berger. For the first 17 years of Andy's life existence, it was defined by abuse and human trafficking, victimized by her own family. Andy couldn't imagine surviving, much less living a life where one day she could share her story and help others through their own abuse. Thank you for having me, Bethany. It's a real honor. Absolutely. Why don't you share with our friends a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, Currently, I am founder and chair of Voices Against Trafficking, and we are a collective unit of people, organizations, legislators, law enforcement, all gathered together to be uh, as one voice against the human trafficking epidemic that we have. That is awesome. And today we're going to be talking about your rescue from human trafficking. And I know it's sometimes if we are, we're from the United States, you know, people listen from all over the world, but I think we can get under the impression that this couldn't happen in our neck of the woods. And so to be able to hear your story, to hear um, what you have journeyed through, we are so appreciate your vulnerability in that. Just a reminder, this is an episode that if you have little ears around, you probably want to make sure that you have some headphones in or ears buds. Um, But Andy, go ahead and take us on this journey. Sure, absolutely. Well, before there ever was a term called human trafficking, I was actually trafficked from six months old to Mm -hmm. 17 years old by family members, immediate, all immediate, and a few extended. And along with that came, you know, severe abuse, uh, physical, mental, emotional, all the things that go with people that um, just are, are not are not kind and are very evil. You know, that's all I can really say. But, you know, in those days, in the um, early 60s and uh, 70s, there just wasn't any place. Nobody even talked about human trafficking, mm-hmm. uh, uh, child abuse, let alone organized child abuse. And so uh, at the age of five, things were so bad. I was so broken and I just really didn't know what else to do. And I cried out, you know, for help, hoping someone would rescue me. And And no, and there just wasn't anyone. So I went to the curb of my house and I thought, you know, my birth mother tells me every day that she can take my life anytime she wants. She was the primary sexual predator, primary abuser, the orchestrator of what I call all things evil in that household. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I'll just kill myself. I'll just run out in front of a car, you know, and then it'll be over and I'll be at peace. And, you know, I won't have to go back into that house. And that's really where God met me because I know a lot of people think, oh, God doesn't talk to kids, but no. yes, he does, because <laughs> I wouldn't be here if he didn't. Yeah. Um, as I sat there, I was looking at this huge, you know, blue sky thinking, wow, it's so big. It's so huge. I wonder who made it. How far does it go? You know, is there somebody more powerful, somebody bigger than the people who hurt me? Yeah. And so 
they're just, you know, that was a pretty busy street usually, but no cars were coming. And as I looked into that sky, Bethany, I, in my heart, I heard this voice that said, this is not the plan I have for you. Mm. You know, suicide is not the answer. I don't even know how I would have known that word. Yeah. So I know that God had, had a plan in using that. And so no cars came by and I walked up to the, uh, we had a very long curvy driveway, walked up to the garage and I just said to this voice, I said, if you keep me alive, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Mm. Now, obviously, yeah, obviously I didn't know, you know, how hard and how painful and how long uh, that road would be because uh, the last time my birth mother tried to kill me, I was 17. So it was a very hideous childhood and yet God was still there and I did try a couple more times to take my life when the abuse was so bad I would cry out to him to just let me die please let them kill me tonight let it just be over and yet you know there were always those moments of what I call grace Mm. and then um, that was the first part of my life and finally I went to college and that was the first break I had that I could get away and that's where we started Mm, goodness. Um, so it sounds like you had a, you know, a personal relationship with Jesus at a, at a fairly young age. Um, how were you able to really take your past and not allow that to dictate your future? Right. That's a great question. And a lot of people ask that, well, and I think part of it is somehow I knew that even with all that evil, that people could do good or they could do evil. And God made it clear to me that he did not design that. That was not his choice. Um, But he gave people free will. And Mm -hmm. and again, they can use it for bad or they can use it for good. And I knew somehow at that early age, it wasn't God doing that. Mm -hmm. So uh, somehow I was taken to church and that's where I made my first commitment to the Mm -hmm. Lord, you know, received Jesus as my personal savior and I, because I had no, I had trust issues. I kept asking him to come into my heart probably yes. 50 times. Right. And finally, one day, I think it was eight or nine. I said, okay, I'm just going to trust that you're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, as that progressed, uh, you know, I, I leaned into that, but, um, it, it was challenging when you have the people that are supposed to love you don't. Yeah. Okay. Not only that, they make you an example of everything wrong in their life, everything that, you know, it's, you're the problem. I was told I was a mistake and they would just laugh about how they couldn't return me. And, you know, I was stupid. I was all of these horrible names. And yet somehow I just believed that there was a purpose and a plan. Yeah. And so I, I school and, um, music were kind of my second salvations. I, I leaned into school and I leaned into anything that took me away from that. If somebody had a job for me, you know, as little as 11, I would do it just to get mm-hmm. out of the house. So the rescue, I, I say the rescue began that day on the curb, wow. you know, where God met me, but the actual leaving and, and getting on with life. Um, when I got to college and I realized, I started realizing that I had a lot of bad self-talk, a lot of fears, a lot of things. And I just distanced myself from people. I would run as hard and as far away from relational closeness as I could. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with all of that, I finished college in three years and I was that overachiever, peacemaker, do everything. I was so driven. I like, I'm exhausted thinking about what I did because I could never do that now, like six decades later. (laughs) But 
but I, I did that and then I took a year and there was still some connection with my birth family because again, in that culture, I didn't have anyone to really tell. I didn't have any place to go to, which is probably what primed the pump for what I've been doing the last, you know, 14 years. But mm-hmm. um, I just became that person that you couldn't touch emotionally. Mm. So what has, you know, the healing journey look like for you? How have you, I mean, did you have to go through times of wrestling with the Lord on forgiving all of those people that hurt you, um, forgiving even yourself just for not, not for any actions that you made, just forgiving yourself for maybe not having the grace for yourself or, you know, having to overachieve or people please or whatever it was to try to earn that identity. What does that healing process look like for you? I think at that time, one, I had a very a blind faith, a very simple faith. I, I tell people I'm not simple-minded, I'm simple-hearted. Mm. Um, God loved me. I loved him back to the best of my ability, wow. uh, not really knowing the experiential love of God at that time. So as I progressed into business and went through law school and all of that, the, the process was more, um, if I'm successful, then I'm good and mm. I will figure this out somehow. Yeah. And so just after law school, I married my ex-husband who turned, who was a worship leader and a church person. And unfortunately it was a very dark and abusive marriage and not, not what God designed, but I wanted so desperately to be loved, to have, you know, the the little house, the little car, you know, the little marriage, Mm -hmm. all of the things that look normal to me on the outside. And we were both codependent. I hadn't gone to counseling at that time, mm. but I did very quickly after we were married. Um, there was some things that happened, and and I had to get to counseling because suddenly all these memories and pictures and and shadows in my life were coming out faster than I could handle. Yeah. Uh, my ex-husband was pressuring me, you know, and there was just a lot of things um, going on because. The only thing I could control was who I gave my body to. So I never did that before I got married. Mm, wow. So then my experience is now uh, devastating and horrific uh, because of abuse that was involved with that. And now I'm in this marriage and I'm like, but I promised God I would stay in my marriage. I promised, you know, I, I have to do this. So as I went through counseling, it took about three years. And one of the great things my counselor told me, um, she wasn't a Christian, but she was a great lady. And so people think, oh, well, you know, you have to go to a Christian. You go to whoever God brings in your path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is what is needed. Mm-hmm. And she, she loved faith. She wasn't against it. But what she said was, Andy, if we're here more than, you know, three years, it was very complicated with all the people involved in the abuses I endured. Um, then either I'm not doing my job or you're not doing the work. Mm. And so, Ouch, exactly. mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was like right off the bat. And I thought that's kind of how we are spiritually, right? God always does his end. He always holds up his end, but sometimes we're not doing the work. And so after that, um, there was divorce, you know, which was very difficult. I was, I moved up to Oregon, uh, new start, new life, had no clue, you know, how to live on my own really. Um, and then I had a great job and that's where God, he moved me here because he knew what was going to happen. Mm. He knew what I needed even though it looked devastating and one of us was still trying to save the marriage. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was me. <laughs> but it takes two to make any relationship work. It does. You know, two of us, with, it takes God and one of us or all of us. And it takes, you know, two humans in any partnership to make it work. So true. So I learned, I learned a lot in counseling. But what I, I mostly learned, Bethany, and this was a huge turning point. Maybe this will help better are listening and viewing. I was taken to uh, a little chapel service in a place called the Little Chapel in uh, Los Angeles. And I was just in so much emotional, mental pain. The divorce hadn't quite um, resolved itself yet. And the only two seats in that whole place <laughs> were right up front. <laughs> so I had to go sit up front in front of the speaker. And don't you know that for two hours, that woman spoke directly to my heart. Mm -hmm. and. I was just weeping the whole time. And a lot of it was about how, you know, God loves you and he hears our cries, things like that. But for me, I was so broken hearted. I'm so broken. Yeah. You know, so many places. And I was in a relationship, ending a relationship that was not at all what I thought marriage and, you know, all that would be. Mm -hmm. And so at the end, though, uh, the woman came down from the, the podium and she sat next to me. And all she did, Bethany, was put her arms around me. Mm. And she started rocking me very gently, kind of back and forth. She didn't speak, didn't ask questions. She just put me in her arms. And I remember thinking, and I was probably 31 at the time. Mm. I thought, wow, this must be what it's like when a mother comforts her child. Oh. Yeah. And I had never known that. I didn't had any clue. And then in that moment, I felt Jesus's arms around me and mm -hmm. I finally experienced God. Yeah. I didn't just know blind faith. I trust you. I love you. Whatever you say, it's all good. I didn't ask him why um, you mentioned that earlier and it didn't occur to me to ask God why I just had that blind trust. Yeah. And now I had an experience. Mm. And so I drove away that day and I'm like, I am sure people on the freeway can see this huge light in my car, right? Because <laughs> am I not glowing? <laughs> it, was, it was so bright and white and warm. And for like three days, I had that. And I just, I suddenly got that there is a real love out there. And I wondered why people didn't do that, mm. you know? So busy telling each other what to do and how to do it and where to do it and how, you know, this church does that or that church does that. But, but what about just the everyday sit, listen, and be still, right? Mm -hmm. And so after that, I did, well in, I did well in business. I had my ups and downs after the divorce. And then God in his mercy and grace taught me so much about uh, being my provider, my comforter, my my friend, all of those things you hear about in church. Yep. But if the people in your life have broken that trust, broken your heart, broken that love, um, it's very difficult. And the one thing that I remember very clearly is God telling me that I needed to let go and forgive those who had hurt me. Mm. And that was a tough one. I was I'm just going to say, how are you feeling with that one? How's that feeling? <laughs> I'm like, what? So everyone's <laughs> listening and watching and they're like, okay, that's fine. This is all great. Wait a minute. Forgiveness. Hold on. I'm not exactly sure if I'm comfortable with that one. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. But I thought, okay, you know what, Lord, 
that's you don't ask anything of me. It's the least I can do mm-hmm. of you to to be obedient and to honor and not realizing the benefit I would have. But uh, so uh, basically, I prayed into it, and the first person I would be led to forgive, I said, "Lord, you have to do this through me because." I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it, you know, but if that's what has to happen, then you're going to have to do it through me because there's no way I would forgive these people. Mm-hmm. And so he did one by one, my birth father, my birth mother, some of them took a little longer because I was maybe wrestling a little bit, you know, with the <laughs> that, is, that is such a good point. I think sometimes people think when we have to choose forgiveness, it's like a one-time shot, but it can be a daily. It could be by the second. It could be by the minute of just, I'm going to choose this. And sometimes I think it's even Lord help me, but I'm feeling like I'm faking it until I'm making it until you allow that to marinate in our hearts. That's exactly exactly it. You're right. And I know with my birth father, it took me a whole four days. Like uh, I just had to keep pounding in. Okay. Let go, forgive, let God, because when you think about it, one of the examples I use with the kids we've rescued is if your hands are clenched, Mm -hmm. okay. And yep. you can't receive, but if you open them up and release, okay, yep. Yep. then God's blessings can fill your heart, your mind, your soul, you know, whatever it is. And it doesn't mean that you still don't have the pain, which is, as we just learned recently, actually, we need to deal with the pain from that forgiveness. Mm. So even if I forgive, say you for something, your, yep. your debt is now my debt. And um, I'm so grateful to Joseph Dalton because he made that so clear to me uh, recently. Um, and he, uh, he explained that you still have that pain. Okay. So if you don't deal with that pain and then something else down the road comes and you forgive it. So you're stacking up all this pain that you haven't dealt, you've forgiven, but you still have to really work through the hurt. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It totally and makes sense. Yeah. So I hadn't done that. So all of this is now stacking up in my life. I just was like obedient. Right. And I honored mm-hmm. God. And so I felt like this is okay. Um, the hardest part, I think the hardest one was going to uh, see my birth father in the hospital. He was dying. And my aunt, great lady, the only one that was safe or good to me, but we had been separated because of all of this stuff that she didn't even know about. Mm. Um, she called, she said, I know you haven't heard from me, but I want to let you know this is what's happening. And so um, my ex-husband, we weren't exes yet, but he was still in the picture. He said, do you want to go? I said, no, I don't. But you know Mm -hmm. what? I'm going to go, not for you, not for anybody, but for God, because this is the least I can do for all that he's done for me. Yeah. And so I went to the hospital, you know, did the physical forgiveness, you know, and my birth father couldn't speak at the time and, you know, tears rolling down his face and, and, uh, Somebody asked, well, are you going to come back and see him? Can we tell him you'll be back tomorrow? I said, no, you really can't tell him that. Yeah. And he passed away. But I, I felt like I did what I was called to do. Yep. But then I had my parameter. Mm-hmm. And so those were really key lessons in my healing because it would help me down the road. Yes. Pain of divorce, pain of betrayal, you know, even from Christian friends, you know, pain from whatever. And so that's kind of where, what I would call my entry level healing began. Mm. That's good. And then, so you lost your dad, you're in business, you're divorced. Where is God taking you next on this journey? Well, God in his grace, he is so amazing. 
uh, he brought the most amazing human I've ever met into my life a couple years after that divorce. My husband, Ed, we've mm-hmm. been married for 21 years. That is awesome. And yeah, it was just incredible because here comes this six foot two guy just full of enthusiasm and energy. And uh, a friend of ours had uh, created a, a social situation for us to meet. And uh, he practiced his proposal on the second date on an oh, app. <laughs> oh my goodness. And on the third date, out of nowhere, Bethany, I don't know where, well, actually, I do. Holy Spirit, just, it just came out that I love you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I broke the rules, the zones, or whatever books were out about, you know, relationships and what you do or don't tell, you know, somebody. Uh, and, yeah. And, uh, and then a few weeks later, we were engaged and, you know, got married nine months after that. Holy moly. So I know a girl is like, wait, Bethany, ask this question, but how did she open up her heart again? How was she able to, even if this felt like a Holy Spirit moment, how did fear and anxiety and worry or the past not dictate this? Yes. That's a great question. And all of that was there. The difference Mm -hmm. was, um, as you know, Ed and I, like we connected very quickly. He was very honest and open and unlike any other person, like no agenda. When we would talk, it was just all, all, uh, positive, all good stuff, wanting to get to know each other. But you're right. In that, in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, is this just gonna, I, I don't know if I can, I can get married again. I don't know what if things don't work out. I, I had a lot of, not baggage so much. I had dealt with a lot of it, but I still had that concern about certain things and I still felt broken because mm-hmm. I was told in that marriage, it's all my fault. Right. Sure. Yeah. I am a classic narcissist. So everything was on me if things weren't good. Right. And, and so with Ed, God really worked with me. I prayed into it. I had kept this little journal with kind of a silhouette figure and mm-hmm. I would pray every night before Ed came, Lord, if I'm meant to be married or partnered up, you choose that person. I do not want second best again. That was my fault. You know, I want only what's from your table That's and good. what he looks like and what he does doesn't matter. Just fill in the, the mm-hmm. image that you want. Yeah. Okay. And then when Ed came along, it was better and greater than I could have anticipated. And I think, um, by the time we were at that third week at church, when, you know, I kind of whispered, I love you. And he had been waiting. He didn't push or rush me. He just wanted it to be okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I asked God, I, well, I didn't ask. I told him, I said, I'm feeling like I need to not be here <laughs> because what if, what if it's bad again? Mm. And he to my heart and he said, this man will not do what others have done to you, Andy. Mm, wow. You need to stay, and it's going to be okay. And that's who I trusted in the relationship. Gosh, I was literally just going to say that. That is awesome, Andy. <laughs> you know, I heard a sermon, I think it was last week at church, and it talked about how you cannot, in your brain, like the scientific part of it, you cannot have fear and faith at the same time. So fear is either going to take over or faith is going to take over. And I love what you just said, because the woman who's like, but I still don't understand how you trust. You didn't trust in him. You trusted in the Lord. You trusted in the one who's the alpha, who's the omega, who's the one that's writing your story. And when he gives you the green light, that's who you're trusting in. Exactly. You're having faith that not that everything will be perfect, but you're having faith that this is directed by him. Absolutely. And, and it was all about God bringing Ed and me together. 
yeah. not about any of the other stuff. And God doesn't give you half a cup. Okay. Mm-hmm. He gives you, yeah. He gives you all of it, even if you can't see it. And I couldn't see it, but I believed it. I trusted it. I knew God never lies or he wouldn't be God. You yeah. can't lie and be God. Absolutely. And so my simple faith, but my educated mind were, were kind of like, okay, we're just going to do this. And there were people that, you know, were trying to uh, break us up or not have us marry and all that. And, and we had a lot of adversity. Mm-hmm. But on that day, when we committed before God, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. And so, you know, people say, wow, well, you know, you were only dating a couple of weeks. I said, well, I dated my ex for two years and obviously did not know him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. It's about God designing that perfect partner for you, even if he doesn't or she doesn't, you know, look like or sound like what you expect. I have friends that are like, well, I want this and I want that, like a grocery list. <laughs> and I'm like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> you know? I know that this isn't the topic, but can you speak into that a little bit more? If you were like being a mother or sister to maybe the single gals out here that are like, but I, but you don't understand, this is my list and it has to follow this. What would you say to her? I would say, put the list down and ask God for his desire for your partner, because that's where doors are open. That's where, where the beauty of the perfect person for you. And I'm not saying there aren't more than one, like if somebody's spouse dies, you know, there could always be someone, but in the beginning, you know, like you said, for younger folks or people who are first time getting married, even if they're older, um, you know, that has to be God's choice. Now I did say, you know, one, you know, a decent job because you have to be, you know, in this world, you need to be provided. Uh, but, but basically what I said was, you know, man of God, man after God's own heart, first and foremost. Yeah. Okay. Someone who it didn't matter if he had kids, didn't have kids. It didn't matter if we were going to have kids or not had kids. God already kind of told me what that was going to be like, uh, what was going to happen. But I put, you know, sense of humor because humor gets you through a lot of the tough times. And then I just said, you know, dancing the plus Lord, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's what we're about the desires things. of our heart and there's dancing in heaven. So I, and I'm a firm believer that dancing is important. So I would high five that one. Yeah. That. Yeah. High five on that one. And, and really it was just simple. It was from a simple heart that just wanted to love and be loved, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred percent that I would be that treasure to someone and I would have someone to treasure. And so that's what I would say, you know, male, female, whatever, you need to let God get a blank page, get a blank journal, pray into it, uh, pray that silhouette. Like there were times, I know people are going to think I'm crazy now, but it's okay. It won't be the first time, (laughs) but but, you know, Jesus and I would kind of shadow dance, you know, and and then I would imagine the silhouette of whoever he had designed for me. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there were a few times I was just so lonely. I just really wanted that experience. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to put on a song and I'm just going to enjoy the moment. And I know when it's time and God did confirm that I was meant to be partnered because I really, I directly asked many times Mm -hmm. if I'm to be single or to be partnered. I'm okay with that. Just let me know. And single is still partnered with Christ, but not, you know, to a human. And I knew that I was meant to be partnered and I had to be patient, which is really the hard part. Yeah. I love the visual that you said earlier about the open hands, right? That you can't, if you had your hands closed, I, I see how that's like 
being weaved between all parts of your story, whether, whether I'm supposed to be single or not, who it's going to be, what the list looks like. I think it's such a good reminder that all of us really need to have this posture of, wait a minute, God is big and he has the greatest plan of all for us. And if we have our hands open, as opposed to giving him the script or feeding him, you know, what the story needs to look like, it's going to be greater than we can ever think, fathom, or imagine, but it's got to be in the posture of humility of Lord. I trust what you put in here is what you're going to, is going to be good for me. Absolutely. Because as any dad would, okay, mm-hmm, that's good. Sometimes he will let his children make their own choices and suffer the consequences. Yeah. Okay. doesn't mean you did a bad thing. It just means that, uh, when I, when I said that I wanted to marry the first time someone to show me the world, Mm. my simple heart meant like go places like travel without you know problems or or do things that I had never done you know outside things or theater or whatever but that blanket uh request or that blanket desire also left room for Satan to come in oh you want to see the world because Mm. basically you know my ex had some very uh perversive aspects to him and that's all I'll say So I learned things that I wish I had never seen or learned or, you know, got forced into. And that's where I realized when you, when you, when you speak with the heavenly father, the heavenly Mm -hmm. dad, he loves you so much. Just tell him your heart. Well, you know, does it really matter if he has brown hair, black hair, either? Does it matter if he's short or tall? Really? We all have our preferences, but wouldn't we really rather have the very best partner that Jesus and God Mm -hmm. designed for us? Amen. So good. So that's, that was a lot of faith right there when God brought Ed in and Ed came from, you know, he was very godly and he just had this great sense of humor and, and he didn't know hardly anything about my background, like the details that he, he said very early on before we were married one night, he said, you know, I don't know exactly what happened to you, everything that happened, but this is what, I do know I will always be there for you. Mm. I will never leave you. And I will always listen. Mm. And those two things, I mean, I use with the kids we rescue because aren't those the best things to do? Be with someone Mm. and be truly intent on listening to them, not fixing the problem, not giving them Christianese, not giving them platitudes, just listening. Mm And that has now played down the road. Um, you know, I'm just now really openly talking about my PTSD. And I've had like nine traumatic brain injuries. I've had a lot of health issues, a mm-hmm. lot of autoimmune things, heart attacks, whatever you name it. It's probably on the list. Wow. And yet God has stood with me. He has, his breath has been mine through all of it. And when we're in the deep, deep part of pain, hurt, betrayal, um, anger, all of that, that's where he is. And I'm really excited to share a very special uh, encounter uh, mm-hmm. at the conference yes. this week. So yes. it's going to be pretty amazing. And it, I think a lot of people will understand more about what, what Jesus and what God and what Holy Spirit really want for us, especially if we've been broken, we've been tainted, we've had any of that in our life. So true. And the conference that Andy is referring to, I know all of y'all can't come. Um, I think that there's actually going to be a digital link. So maybe you could view that. I'll make sure that that's in the show notes. I'll check on that. But for people that are local in Corvallis, Oregon, it's going to be at Mid Valley Willamette or 
I'm sorry, it's through Mid-Valley Women of Christ, but it's at Life Community Church. It's going to be at 7 p.m. Doors open at 6 p.m. And we get to hear Andy speak and share more on that. Also, girl, I hear there's a book coming out. So how can we purchase that from you? Okay. Uh, my first book is on Amazon already. It's one, A Fragile Thread of Hope, One Survivor's Quest to Rescue. So if you go to Amazon.com, you can get the ebook or paperback, and 45% of proceeds go back to victims of child abuse and child sex trafficking. It's a little bit of my story, and then uh, four stories of four of the teens we rescued off the street. Mm. Um, not all of them were trafficked, but why they're choosing the streets. Kids are running to the streets because they feel it's safer than what they're running from, which is a whole other topic and a whole other deal. Our, our newest book, Voices Against Trafficking, The Strength of Many Voices Speaking as One. I am so excited. It will be coming out. Uh, if it's not out tomorrow or the next day, it'll be out very soon. You're going to go to Amazon.com. Uh, and this is going to give people an insight. There are 20 chapters by 20 top voices from all different aspects. A couple of survivor leaders like myself have written chapters. I've written uh, one on PTSD. We have media members about the role of media. We have mm -hmm. people from Texas, people from Mexico, you know, all of these individuals and organizations that are frontliners that are really trying to get the uh, awareness and education out about what is really happening and what does this mean? And to your point, Bethany, real quick, I wanted to uh, just uh, piggyback on you said about how people think it doesn't happen in their neighborhoods. Yeah. That is a com that is a myth yeah. that we have to bust. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. here's, here's the truth. Every 40 seconds in the United States, a child 18 and under is abducted. Wow. Okay. They are taken. Now, they may be lured by an advertisement, maybe, you know, come be a model or, you know, come mow lawns or come babysit or, you know, whatever it is. However, they're luring the kids, but they are taken not by choice, mm. by deception and by force. So every 40 seconds, think about how long this podcast has been. Yeah. How many kids have gone missing already? Holy moly. That's crazy. And I'm a parent. I have two teenagers. So from a parent's perspective, how could we guide our children in walking through their community? Is there something that they could be doing or looking for signs um, for something happening that they don't even know what's happening? What would that look like? That would start with a conversation, one about the topic, if they're old enough to understand that. And it's not just stranger danger. You know, as they get older, there are a lot, you've got internet chat rooms, a lot of other things to compete with. And we have a couple of great chapters on tips for parents uh, mm -hmm. regarding gaming and, and all of that. So uh, one of the things I suggest is, one, do you have a safe word? Does your family unit, whatever that looks like, have a safe word or phrase that, let's say your teenager texted you, maybe they're going out in a group for the first time or on a date for the first time, or they're going, you know, on a trip with their, you know, their sports team or something. Do they have a phrase or word that they can text you mm. or text you that lets you know they're in danger or they're uncomfortable? Yeah. Okay. Because for girls, uh, they might feel a little more compelled to go along sometimes, you know, than the guys because they want to be popular or they want to have a gut boyfriend. But we need to give them tools that can let you know no matter what's happening, one, you're not going to judge them for whatever it is, and two, that you're going to uh, take it very seriously if they send that to you. So that's one simple thing. Another thing for uh, parents, single or, or married parents that have uh, maybe multiple jobs, which a lot of people do these days, uh, have a safe advocate, a safe mm -hmm. adult 
whether it's a family member or a neighbor or someone that you vetted, okay, that's very important to check out who you're leaving your kids with or asking yeah. someone, you know, to watch your kids. But we want to make sure that that person is also aware of what to do. Also, do you have an escape plan from your apartment, your house, your trailer, mm -hmm. whatever you are living in? Is there a plan if somebody comes in or somehow is let in, innocently maybe, you know, and then something happens? Do you have a way for your kids to get out in a desperate measure? Now, people are probably thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, this is horrible. But, but if you're prepared. Mm, that's good understand the preparation and it's for their safety if they understand oh mom's just you know mom's not being police dog she just wants to make sure i'm okay right okay uh with our kids that we've rescued it's like we uh, are you with someone who's safe for you mm -hmm. and they were always very honest about it yes or i'm not sure okay then where are you going i just want to know in case you need me yeah do whatever you want to do but i just would like to know to make sure you're safe Okay. So by opening the conversations, which is partly why this book is what this book will do, mm -hmm. uh, it will give parents and readers a chance to figure out, gosh, maybe I do need to have this conversation or maybe I do need to uh, find out more. And then in your local community, if you voted for a school board person or for a mayor or for a council person, what are they doing to protect your children in the mm -hmm. community? That's good. How many prosecutions of predators have they had? Because we know the predators live everywhere. Yeah. So those are things that you can do on the simple level. And then, of course, you know, we're happy to provide more information. But go to VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. There's going to be a whole list of helplines and hotlines from suicide prevention hotlines to um, national uh, trafficking, human trafficking hotlines, child abuse hotlines. Um, alcohol, drug, we want to give everyone the tools at the very least they can put in their phone yeah. and then give those numbers to children, the responsible age children, who can also put them in their phone if they see something or if they're in trouble. But if you do see something and your gut says, boy, that just doesn't look right, please mm. say something. Go somewhere appropriate, make a call taken a discreet, you know, pretend you're doing a selfie, right? You might get the license plate or you might get the person, you know, as long as it looks natural, uh, those are things you can do. But somebody is begging God right now that mm. they will be rescued, that somebody will find them, that somebody will pray for their safety and that they will live long enough to tell their story. Mm. Wow, Andy, thank you so much just for that wisdom and that reminder that while it seems scary and sometimes I think we want to just like cover our ears and pretend it isn't happening, being prepared is so, so valuable and can save lives. Um, and maybe someone's heart is, how do I help? How, how do I help in this situation? This feels like such a big category. Is there ways to help, Andy? Absolutely. Two ways. Uh, the first one is very quick and easy. Go to voicesagainsttrafficking.com. There's a button that says join us and all you have to do is put your uh, add your voice uh, in the subject line and then give us your name. We are trying to get a million names on our roster by the end of 2023 because when you have a roster of a million people or organizations that want to stop trafficking and they want mm -hmm. legislators to do more, uh, people will listen. And so that's one easy thing. It's free. 
And if they want to help support the educational programs and the virtual uh, international conferences we have, um, there's a way to do that too. The second part is if you'd like to help us with the, the 16 girls that we've rescued, you know, we would gladly appreciate any financial donation with the pandemic. It's been tough, but um, yeah. these gals are doing what they need to do. And you could go to Beulahsplace.org, my shelter, B-E-U-L-A-H-S place. Viewlessplace.org, and there's a donate button. And that will help us provide um, education, uh, housing, things like that for them. I love that. And for those of you that are maybe driving or taking care of laundry or cooking and you didn't get that written down, no problem. We've got you covered in the show notes or at bringingherhope.com. Andy, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for your vulnerability. I love the beauty in your redemption story that while life was super hard and you dealt with abuse and all these things God has taken those situations and now you get to pour out into not only kids and and women and businesses and all sorts of things but God is using your story for his glory he never wastes anything not even the pain that's right that's exactly it that's a great point he does not waste anything I mean it'd be great if no one had pain but look what Jesus went through yep Yep, so true. And I'm super excited that we're going to see each other in person. And Yay! I know. I, and I hope all of you who can come will come because it's, I have a feeling God's going to shake the rafters. There <laughs> is. Again, that is November 12th. It's going to be a Friday night. Life Community Church in Corvallis, Oregon. Doors open at 6 p.m. It's free, by the way. We didn't mention that. It's free. You can worship and hear this beautiful woman um, continue to share her wisdom and preach, preach, a, preach a good word. I know that it will be. So thank you, Andy, again for your time. And I look forward to seeing you in just a few days. Thank you so much. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Such an incredible conversation with Andy today. You know, after hearing her story that is evident that she has walked through, the Lord was with her. I know sometimes in our journey, it feels like it's too late. There's too much damage, too much abuse, or even too many mistakes that we've made. But hear me say today, God is not done with your story yet. Just open those hands like Andy was saying and invite the Lord to do the healing work that only He can do. And grow watch him move mountains in your story for his glory just one last reminder if you are a local Oregon girl come join us for the Mid Valley Women of Christ Praise and Worship Night on Friday November 12th at Life Community Church it's free filled with worship and even more wisdom with Andy well that's all for today thanks for hanging out with us and remember you keep living those brave stories for Jesus I wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to our sponsor of the Bringing Her Hope podcast, Friends of Hope. Friends of Hope is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to the support of Christian radio, Christian events, new media, and activities that share the good news of Jesus Christ. So thanks again, Friends of Hope, for sponsoring the Bringing Her Hope podcast so we can continue to share more brave and beautiful stories of God's redemption.